Switched on Asia, brought to you by AXA, delivering confidence. This is Switched on Asia. The word unprecedented is perhaps the most used of the past 18 months. The COVID-19 pandemic has changed the way we operate both at home and at the office. Video calls right now are very commonplace. Your children are perhaps experts at Zoom and doctors are just a video call away. Now with the arrival of vaccines, vaccine passports and travel bubbles, is 2022 finally the year when we can go on holiday or be reunited with our families? Has the past 18 months changed the way we operate forever or will we revert to business as usual in this episode of switched on asia we're heading to the future what will the world look like in 2022 this is switched on asia Joining me today is Kathy Feliciano Chan, a board member of the Global Wellness Summit and managing director of international marketing firm Catch On Fin Partners. Gaston Carrion, managing director of strategy and consulting and Asia Pacific talent and organization lead for Accenture. Allison Heilitzer, counselor and head of corporate psychology at OTNP, one of Hong Kong's largest and best known healthcare providers. And of course, AXA's Asia and Africa CEO, Gordon Watson, who is here to help us understand how to confidently navigate the emerging business landscape. I'm Deborah Mao, and this is Switched On Asia, brought to you by AXA, delivering confidence. This is Switched On Asia. Gordon, it's great to have you back in the studio. I'm looking forward to picking your brain about what's in store for us in 2022. So none of us have a crystal ball, of course, um, but before we prognosticate into the future, perhaps we should take a look at the past 18 months. Um, it's been a really tough time for a lot of people, uh, a testing time to say the least. Did you have any epiphanies yourself or any insights? Well, first of all, I agree it was very difficult. Um, I didn't have any epiphanies, but uh, I really improved my patience. Um, I'm quite an impatient person, and I um, learned to, you know, stay calm, um, live in the present, uh, which was difficult initially because you always want to do things. Um, but I didn't find that um, it really got in the way of making progress. Um, and the two things I found that were really came to the fore: one was communication. Um, True, we communicate differently through, you know, whether it's Zoom or Teams or whatever, but we continued to communicate, uh, communicate and communicate and over communicate. And, uh, you know, as a result, you know, when we did our kind of pulse surveys, we found out uh, the team actually became closer together than it was in the past. And the other area was creativity. You know, when you have a scarcity of certain things, um, uh, you become more creative. Uh, and my, my favorite story was one of the guys I know, uh, uh, this guy Derek, he has a son um, and he's quite naughty like me. And what he did was he changed his Zoom name to uh, Derek Reconnecting. <laughs> so so every time the teacher, uh, you know, he wanted to not attend to school or whatever, it came up Derek Reconnecting and she just thought it was bad internet. <laughs> so his creativity is amazing, you know. Um, so I, I've told him anytime he wants a job at AXA, he's welcome and he's 10 <laughs> years old. But I do think that, uh, you know, that creativity, the communication and staying together and being one team and staying positive for the future is, is clearly the most important, having that confidence. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting you said that um, people actually felt more connected uh, at times during, during the pandemic. And um, you would have thought that remote working would have the opposite effect. 
certainly for some people, uh, it was an isolating period, and um, it really has brought the focus onto mental health and mental health um, issues. Um, so do you think that companies, and do you think that companies in general are doing enough to raise awareness in this area? Well, first of all, I think COVID has been a catalyst in bringing awareness to it, so that's good. Um, are companies doing enough? Uh, probably not. I mean, if you look at health, um, the biggest kind of burden is really is mental health. I mean, mental health is a bigger burden than, than depression, for example, is bigger than cancer. And you don't have any health without mental health. So I think the good thing is people now see health as holistic health, uh, and they now understand that it was perhaps seen as a soft subject um, in the past where uh, if people had mental health issues, it was kind of, hey, snap out of it, you know, you're lucky, et cetera, et cetera. And I think people really have experienced it. Um, and, and what we've done at AXA is we've created a kind of task force at Karima, uh, myself, head up globally. And we really are educating people to take care of their own mental health, but also how to see it in others. And the tone always has to start from the top because there is a stigma um, associated with mental health because um, some people don't feel it's a real illness and of course it is and it can be treated. So it's very important to have that safe space uh, that, that people with those issues feel comfortable they can talk about them and also know that the leader of the company knows this is for real. Um, and I think uh, there are many forums and you know I, I'm involved in quite a few of them with other CEOs and other companies who are really doing some great things. Um, but COVID has been a catalyst in this, and I, I think we can do a lot, lot more than we're doing at the moment. So the answer to your question is uh, no, not enough, but we're starting and the awareness, but how to, you know, people still don't know how to deal with that. And it's not an easy thing. And do you have mental health as a separate topic? Because if you make it a separate topic, it could even stigmatize it more. So therefore, you know, that would be something regularly you'd have in your meetings. How's the mental health? Um, of everyone today. So I was in a forum recently and um, the gentleman who had it, you know, asked all of us uh, for the first, it was an hour and a half meeting in the first half hour, he just said, hey, how you doing, Gordon? You know, how you doing, Jane? How are you doing? And I thought, well, this is a bit of a waste of time because I'm a bit impatient. <laughs> but um, it really connected us and it really, uh, oh, we know that Jane's, you know, a bit down today, you know, Gordon's not feeling so good. Or what. It, it, was, it was actually really interesting. Um, so we need to be able to do that in an effective uh, way and there's many ways we can do that and there's so much kind of uh, evidence-based research and what works and what doesn't and particularly for vulnerable groups as well um you know from you know young kids from you know um, mothers etc who have who have different circumstances sometimes so i think you know that special knowledge uh, you know, we, we need to understand that and take the appropriate action. Mm -hmm. I love when you said there's no health without mental health. It's such a fundamental piece yeah, of it. Yeah, uh, and that's, that's not me saying that. That's the World Health <laughs> Organization saying that. And they said that a long time ago, so wow. that's good. Yeah. Wow. So let's talk about smart working, um, which is something that uh, AXA has named its method of working as smart working. So is this like um, some principles or a protocol, or how would you describe it? Yeah, it's... Uh, Everyone is different, you know, everyone has different circumstances and who really works from nine to five at the moment, especially if you're an international job, you have different hours. Um, so this flexibility allows, you know, I mentioned mothers, for example, so they may want to work 
you know, from home in certain days when their kids are uh, not at kindergarten or whatever. So we allow that. And the target roughly is, you know, um, you know, two and a half to three days in the office and two days at home. But some people do much more at home. Some people do much more at the office. And it's really up to to your choice, you know, and what suits you. Of course, the, the leader of the, the team leader um, needs to be involved in that to make sure the, the company performs. But it gives a lot more flexibility. And I think it's... Uh, People, when they look for a career now, everyone has different, you know, things going on in their life. And as long as we, we focus on the, 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 the outcomes of the business, it doesn't mean that you have to be there in 95. And we, we mentioned the word stigma before, and that actually has happened a lot, you know, with people. If you're not in the office, you're not working, which, of course, is not true because I, I think uh, many of us who, who work in Zoom and Teams, you, you tend to work harder um, and, and sometimes you're more efficient. So I think that smart working, the principles of smart working, really allow us um, to do that. And, and the, the other thing, we have open plan offices um, to communicate, but at the same time, you know, some people are introverts and extroverts, and some, we need to make sure we have the rooms and the space that people can really think, because sometimes you just have to be alone as well. So, uh, you know, the hustle and bustle of the office um, is a good thing, um, but also you need time and maybe you have to take that time at home but you need quiet spaces in the office too so I think the design of the offices is also uh, very important. This is Switched On Asia. Staying focused is key and with this in mind we asked the wider AXA teams what elements of the past year they would like to switch off and what they're looking forward to switching on. What are you looking forward to switching on? I would like to switch on resuming all the social gatherings uh, with friends and relatives, less relying on social media such as WhatsApp and uh, Facebook. I want to go out for lunch with my colleagues more often. Bringing my team out, uh, travel together, spend time together and tell them that I think they've done a great job being resilient during um, COVID-19 situation. One of the habits that I picked up during the pandemic was listening to audiobooks as a book lover and an avid reader. It really wasn't my thing before, but it turned out to be a good experience. And what will you switch off once we're back to normal? What I don't want to do is to wear the mask all the time whenever I go out. I would also look forward to switch off doing less online shopping as a uh, pastime and habit and only doing this as and when necessary. Being procrastinating in waking up early in the morning. Having to buy every meal thing uh, online, I want to be, do things on my own again. So um, it's something that I don't want to experience anymore. Switched on Asia, brought to you by AXA, delivering confidence. Thank you for all your messages. Hopefully we'll be able to switch on to a brighter 2022. Now, many of you mentioned the desire to travel again. It is the hot topic. When will it happen and where will we be able to go? Now, earlier, I caught up with Kathy Feliciano-Chan, Managing Director of International Marketing Company Catch On Fin Partners and a board member of the Global Wellness Summit to get her insights. Switched on Asia, brought to you by AXA. Delivering confidence. 
Kathy, thank you for joining me. Now, I know you're passionate about emerging consumer trends, and you've written a lot about the future of travel and wellness. So please, please, can you tell me, when will I be able to go on holiday? Well, I know of many people who are actually planning their, their uh, summer holidays now, and I really think it comes down to your appetite for, for risks, you know? and the destinations that you're, you're, you're considering, as well as the type of holiday you want to have. Um, you know, there are some places uh, which are relatively safe to go to, and if all you're planning to do is stay in one destination, whether it's renting a home by the seaside, it should be okay. Um, as more and more people are getting vaccinated, I think that the risks are obviously being mitigated and it's lessening, but um, I think in general, we're, we're probably looking to to, to 2022 before it's safe to travel again. Mm, okay, well, I'll hold off on my beach dreams for a little longer. Um, so what do you think about uh, business travel? Um, because I know you personally split your time between Hong Kong, mainland China, and the US. Um, will business travel resume to the levels that we saw before, or is it kind of a thing of the past? I don't necessarily think business travel is going to be a thing of the past, but I certainly know for a fact that the business travel segment will not be the size that it was uh, pre-pandemic. I think um, you know companies and, and people are realizing that you know they're just some travel that, that we don't have to do anymore from a business level because of technology has made it very easy for us to stay in touch, to continue to do business transactions without having to jump on a plane. So I think business travel will definitely shrink. However, I think leisure travel is, is really prime for, for uh, growth, for a lot of growth in the coming years. Mm. What are the trends that you're seeing in terms of our day-to-day -day lives and how to bring more personal well-being and wellness into our lives? So I would say that probably one of the, the, the net winners from, from the pandemic has been this kind of awareness for wellness and well-being and the shift from sick care to self-care. Um, we're seeing a renewed interest in breath and breath work, um, especially it's tied to meditation. Um, there's a, a big focus on immune health and immunity, building immune, immune busters, I should say, um, whether it's tied to gut health and microbiome, microbiomes. Um, we're also just, just seeing, you know, the things that, that are making us healthy don't have to necessarily cost a lot of money. Um, there's a big o a focus right now on nature and the healing um, benefits of being in nature. Hence, you know, uh, you know, this everybody's hiking everywhere nowadays, right? But now we have nature apps that's actually tracking the time that you're in nature um, and exactly the the. the benefit to your health. So these things, I think, are just are, are just the positives coming out of the pa pandemic. That's great. I have tried breath work, and I absolutely love it. But I'll give those nature apps a try as well. Kathy, thank you for joining me. Thank you. Switched on Asia, brought to you by AXA, delivering confidence. That was super interesting. Gordon, do you have any wellness apps that you would recommend? Um, for wellness, for me, you know, I focus on breathing. Um, you know, in AXA, we have uh, EMA, which has 25 services, and there's Mind Charger and different meditation apps. Uh, perhaps the most interesting one is the one we have in Japan. Um, it's gamification, and it's really to keep your mind active. 
um, and it was designed by uh, Professor Kawashima from uh, who was involved with Nintendo. So actually getting that. So I, I, I use that. The other one uh, that I was just introduced to recently was one called Up Now, which is more hypnosis. Up Now? Up, Up now. now. Yeah. Mm. Um, and it's more about hypnosis, and I've never really done that before, so I'm always very curious. So I'm just at the embryonic stages of that, but it was very interesting, and my first couple of experiences with it were very good. I didn't hypnotize myself, but it really relaxed me, and a lot of it was about breathing. Um, and I've used those breathing techniques, you know, uh, you know, the military use them in, in the US, etc., and they always calm you down and clear your head uh, when, when you're stressful. So... Mm. Uh, that's what I used ever. Yeah, I've been trying to get into hypnosis as well, so really? I'm uh -huh. super interested in that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I'll show you later. Okay, now onto an app we've all gotten used to using. Uh, joining us on Zoom today, we have Gaston Carrion from Accenture in Australia, and Alison Heilitzer from OTNP Medical Group here in Hong Kong. How are you both doing? All things considered, doing well. Thank you so much for having me today. Yeah, doing very well here in Australia. Thank you so much for having us. So, uh, Alison and Gaston, we've given you a very easy topic today. All we need you to do is to predict the future. Gaston, what is Accenture's view? Um, are video calls here to stay? Um, and do you think we will continue to work from home in the future? Look, I think, uh, thank you, Deborah, and that's the million dollar question indeed. Um, so, I guess in, in our case, we went and asked uh, that question to the workers. So we recently launched um, a workforce study on 2021. And uh, we actually, what we found is that people best prefer hybrid models. That means that they work part in their offices, part at home or on site, depending on the type of workforce. And to be more specific, we found around 83% of the people prefer these models. And that's very consistent across Asia Pacific. We look at around 93% in China, 87 in Japan, and 89 in Singapore. So I guess the question would be why hybrid models? And uh, there, the workers have said that uh, they prefer the best of both worlds. So they like autonomy, they like flexibility, but at the same time, they want human connection with me. Now, the question for companies is, you know, how do we enable this new kind of hybrid model to be more productive everywhere? And we found six elements that I'm going to share that tonight. So this is probably brand new and fresh from the market. Number one is autonomy. Number two, positive mental health. Um, number three is high degree of digital skills. Number four is health policies. Number fifth, supportive leadership. And number six, that we're going to talk that a little bit later, is around organizational digital maturity. Um, now, I think companies need to continue investing and in optimizing the remote workforce, but at the same time, we need to think about how do we reimagine the end-to-end -end experience of those workers. And very importantly, we need to reimagine the HR policies. We need a new modern HR coming up. The question now for companies is, you know, what is it in for me? Uh, as part of the research, we found that 63% of the high revenue companies have already adopted this kind of models. So what I will encourage everyone to think about is a different question, which is what makes someone more productive and healthier, regardless of where they're doing work. 
So I understand that technology is empowering people and is, uh, is facilitating all this communication. But sometimes, you know, when your phone is constantly buzzing, uh, going off all the time, it really feels like you're on call 24-7. And so I want to ask Allison, do you think people are experiencing a new type of digital stress? And how is this stress impacting our mental health? So people are absolutely experiencing digital stress. And I would say truly of a grand order. So there are some shifts that we're seeing with this digital stress, particular to the pandemic. So many of my clients, Deborah, have really expressed feelings that their companies in some ways have almost colonized their homes. And they feel as if there's no separation between home and work. Unless, of course, we make a very conscious and consistent effort to have clear and healthy boundaries. Now, before the pandemic, right, we used to lean on the commute to work for this, to create these boundaries almost for us. And we used to kind of lean on our kids being out of the home for part of the day. But now it really does take that consistent effort to make sure that there is some ounce of separation. So you're right, there are devices going off left and right these days, and the days just seem to melt into each other. So I think that the question about how this digital stress is impacting people's mental health is a very important one. Now, we know, for example, that there's a very strong link between sleeping well and solid mental health. And because of the extra burdens of the digital stress, people are simply not sleeping as well. And a lot of people are also not taking the time to be able to eat well. So if we look at the devices, right, all this excess blue light that's being combined with just the pressures that are mounting throughout the day from our companies, the stress we are facing financially with our kids being homeschooled, with healthcare, with different concerns about illnesses and, and our family members in, in the world, that we are sleeping less, and also when we're sleeping, we tend to be sleeping in a way that the quality is being disturbed. So many of us are waking in the middle of the night, finding our minds incredibly active, again, creating no separation between work and home life. Our minds are spiraling, thinking about what ifs, catastrophizing, and most of us, Deborah, do not do our best kind of rational thinking at 2 a.m. So another challenge to people's mental health, and this you know, specifically relates to the digital stress, is that there is an incredibly strong sense of overwhelm right now for most employees. So for some, this overwhelm is translated psychologically as anxiety. And for some people that it even goes a step further to show up as panic attacks. For some people, the overwhelm is more a sense of depression Right? They just feel like they've got to kind of depress themselves in a way that they, they want to move away from that overwhelm. And then, of course, a lot of us are experiencing burnout. And burnout, although it's not a medical diagnosis, was officially um, recognized by the World Health Organization in 2019 as an occupational phenomenon. And there's no doubt that, we've, that we have a lot of data from 2020 to support that burnout is on the rise. And so therefore, when we look at 2022, we're going to have to take this digital stress much more seriously because it's absolutely impacting people's mental health and their ability to really feel well and perform well in the workspace. 
Yeah, and tracking back to the earlier topic of this brave new world that we're all in, um, the pandemic has, of course, accelerated this uh, rise in digitalization and being connected via um, the internet. Uh, now, Satya Nadella, who is Microsoft's chief executive, has said, we've seen two years worth of digital transformation in two months. Um, he said that, made that comment earlier in the pandemic. Um, Gaston, what new innovations do you think companies will take advantage of in 2022? And how will they transform the way that we work? I guess I will, I will answer that in two parts. Part number one is what has happened. And um, I was able to speak to many CIOs in the region and everyone has said that they have a digital transformation plan for about 18 months. And then over the weekend, they needed to activate and execute it. Now, I guess the question is, what, how, how we have done those and what it is um, you know, probably coming out uh, from, from that transition. And I think I would say that um, not every company has really taken the opportunity to uh, be digital mature. And let me explain that a little bit more. So in our uh, recent global um, study on digitization, we saw that only 14% of the companies, they have rated themselves as digital mature. What that means is that their people are able to deliver innovation, they are able to deliver experience, and they are able to deliver new customer um, value uh, around the enterprise that they work for. But how do we embrace a culture that is gonna be innovative, is going to create value, and is going to create a, a good space for people to thrive. And, and the answer to the, all those uh, elements is around making sure that we have the digital infrastructure. I mean, having the right technologies around you is important, but we need to have the culture, the skills, um, and some of the elements around uh, supporting the workforce to learn those new skills. And speaking of digital maturity, um, one sector that I've heard this uh, uh, raised in reference to is the telemedicine um, sector. And perhaps I'll address this to Allison. In terms of physical health care, are you seeing more innovations in the way that you deal with patients, Allison? To some extent, and this applies, I think, both to the physical consultations being done by doctors, but also the mental health consultations being done by mental health practitioners such as myself. So right now, you know, there are many more virtual platforms in which people can really connect with doctors and therapists. And for some people, this is incredibly helpful. In other words, some people can only fit in, right, that therapy session that they want once a week or once a month if they're able to actually minus the travel time, right? A lot of us are very time poor these days. And so if we can take out that travel time, it's a real bonus for, for many people. And some therapists actually even find it helpful to be able to gather what we would call secondary reports. So in other words, looking into people's environments in their homes and their work settings to kind of gather information about their well-being. There are also, as we talked about, right, many new mental health apps. And there's a lot more research that's being done right now on being able to track people's patterns in social media platforms to try and understand their mental health, right? And a lot of this tracking that's being done is being used in a predictive way. So there's this creation of these different predictive models 
that are using people's information from social media to try to understand if someone might be suffering or at a higher risk of something like depression or anxiety, or it might even be used to be able to predict someone's suicide risk. So that's some of what I find to be the, the more exciting part of the digital uh, transformation within the medical space is really kind of being able to connect with people in different ways, but also be able to kind of understand people's movements using different platforms. Mm, what do you think, Gordon? Would you see a doctor online? Oh, definitely, yeah. I think uh, what Alison says is, is exactly right, but I think we have a big socioeconomic issue. You know, mm. you know, people can afford to go to Alison, that's great, but, you know, there's 108 weeks average waiting time in the public sector and there's just a lack of trained people. Mm. So, therefore, we need to really understand how can we give this to everyone. You know, health equity, I think, is, is really important. So, you know, it could be you could use artificial intelligence for stage one mental health or whatever. Um, and we're working, you know, you know, um, some virtual reality things with Oxford Research that they're um, they're looking at. So for me, I would definitely see someone. But I think there's a massive problem globally. Um, you know, in places like Korea, you know, there's, there's quite a lot of uh, psychologists, actually. Um, whereas in, in many other countries there's not. So how do you kind of task shift or whatever um, to primary care initially? There needs to be a better solution because we don't have enough trained experts in this field. So that's why we, we, we need to find something better. We also need to look at the concept of shared value where, where private companies can look at this massive global issue of mental health and really put together solutions from the private sector, working with governments and NGOs, et cetera, to really come up to see, because we need to do something better than we're doing today. It's just not good enough. So uh, so I totally agree with Alice, and I just want to, you know, when, when you, you know, poverty is a, is a major issue. The Gini efficient, uh, coefficient in Hong Kong is massive. Um, you know, we really need to address that. and there's got to be lots of different ways to address it. Mm, yeah, these are all really big and really important topics. So I'm sure we could go on for hours and hours uh, on these issues. But um, so to kind of put a nice bow on it for Gaston and Gordon, what is going to make a company successful in 2022, would you say? Should we start with Gaston? Sure, and look, I'm going to reflect on some of the comments from Alison and Gordon. I think for me, number one is to design around people. So we talked about that it's no one size fits all model anymore. So we need to design, we need to be able to react what people need and being able to you know, craft HR policies, workplaces, design and so forth. So I think we really need to look at the uh, uh, psychological and physical safety as an element of trust for the workforce. Yeah, make a number two, if that's okay. I will reflect on Gordon's comment and I guess lead with humanity. So all the way from the CEO, the C-suite, I think we are seeing um, a significant shift on taking care of employees as human beings. And I think that's gonna be a significant um, advantage for companies, but also more importantly for the communities on where those companies operate. Gordon? Well, I think Gaston's a genius and he just summed it up brilliantly, but I think, uh, <laughs> Yeah, I, I think lead with humanity is great. We have so many tools today and how we can manage a business, but we do need to lead with humanity. We need to be very clear 
on expectations and what success looks like, but be very flexible with our people and how we reach those goals. So I think it's a, it's a conversation There's always going to be changing with this new agile working. Uh, I think there's, there are many opportunities to improve the quality of life for our employees and, and also for our customers. Mm -hmm. Thank you all for joining and um, really appreciate your insights and let's all keep our fingers crossed for 2022. Switched on Asia, brought to you by AXA, delivering confidence. Thank you for listening to Switched on Asia, brought to you by AXA, delivering confidence. Now, make sure to hit the subscribe or follow button to make sure you never miss an episode. And if you haven't heard our previous episode with Liverpool Football Club, then head back to the channel to find out why teamwork is important. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, then please leave us a review and a five-star rating. It really helps people find us. And we'd love to hear from you as well. So please do send us your voice and video messages to Hong Kong plus 852-9121-4084. I'm Deborah Mao. And again, this is Switched on Asia, brought to you by AXA, delivering confidence. Thank you for listening to Switched on Asia, brought to you by AXA, delivering confidence.